Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We consider the first reading from Acts chapter 9 that we heard a few moments ago. Dear people of God, we don't know her name. She definitely did not feel like she was the center of attention on a Mother's Day. She was a mother. She had married a prophet, had two sons with him, but her husband died. And he left the family in some serious debt. So badly that a moneylender was about to come and take the woman's two sons away as slaves to pay off the debt. She reached out to another prophet, Elisha, and asked for help. Elisha asked her if she had anything valuable at home. She couldn't think of anything except for maybe a jug full of oil. Elisha told her to go and gather as many empty jars from her friends and neighbors as she could. He said, don't ask for only a few. So she got a lot and then followed Elisha's other instructions. Shut the door behind you and your sons then pour oil into all the jars. When each one is full, set it aside. So mom and her boys got down to business, pouring, filling, setting aside, pouring, filling, setting aside. They worked up such a rhythm that the woman didn't even realize it when she had reached the end of the empty jars. She told her son, give me another. And he said, that was the last one. Elisha had told her she could sell that oil and there was even enough left over to give her a comfortable in income for the near future. We can learn a lot from this miracle. We could notice the fact that God likes doing practical things when He performs a miracle. He doesn't just put on a dazzling laser light show to impress the audience. He likes to solve mundane problems like how to pay off a loan. You could notice how God prefers to use earthly elements to do His saving work. He didn't just make jars of oil appear out of nowhere. No, He used real dishes from actual people that archaeologists could still find scraps of today, perhaps. He used a pre-existing stockpile of oil to make more oil. But for our purposes this morning, let's consider the fact that in this miracle, God showed special attention to one of the least important people in history. We don't know her name. Today's culture would ignore and overlook her. But God and His prophet paid special attention to her. Critics raise all kinds of complaints against the Bible. They point out how the Old Testament laws make God sound very bigoted and intolerant when you look at what He says about things like slavery or the death penalty for sexual sins or wiping out whole people groups that have become corrupt. In the New Testament, critics complain about things that Christ's apostles have taught. 
For example, about the role that women play and how God restricts certain positions of leadership from them. They say, this God sounds to me like someone who wants to ignore women and suppress the female role in humanity. But when you actually read the Bible, you come across all kinds of anecdotes like this. The widow with her oil. And in the New Testament, Luke takes it to another level. Not only does he tell us the name of Tabitha, he gives us the Greek translation of it, Torkas. If he had written to English-speaking readers first, he would have told us to call her Gazelle. Now, perhaps her parents named her that, and she grew up to be not a very lovely-looking and maybe a rather awkward or clumsy young woman. But no matter how she turned out, she definitely had some traits in common with her name. She was very lovely and beautiful, at least in spirit. And she was swift and smooth to jump when anyone needed a helping hand or a work of service. She seems to be one of those kinds of women who makes you want to try harder. Not because she puts any pressure on you to meet her standards, but simply because she treats you like the most important person in the room. She is constantly curious about what is going on in your life and how she can perhaps improve it. For me, as I told the kids a minute ago, this was my Granny Hartwig. She was skilled not only with the seamstress work that I showed you before, but also with gardening, with preparing meals. She was terribly intelligent. She had a great sense of humor and a strong faith. Think of someone like that in your life. Maybe it's mom, but it doesn't have to be anyone related to you. Someone like Tabitha, one of those Dorcas-style women that is a masterpiece of womanhood that God puts on this earth just to brighten life a little bit and give us some warmth. None of that changes the fact that the preacher at Granny's funeral said about her. He said a good point when he reminded us that you might have had to look really hard to see any kind of fault or proof of sin in Lois's life. But that doesn't mean she was not sinful. She did not act like a saint because of any natural righteousness in her. And even if Pastor Beauvais had not told us that in the sermon, the fact that we had a body in the casket lying in front of us sent the same message from God. It's dangerous testimony, isn't it? People don't know how to handle that message. Some don't like to look at dead bodies. Others suppress their feelings or deny reality. Still others like to babble on about a lot of nonsense like death is something natural or like funerals are nothing more than a celebration of life. But we know better. We have that little itch in the back of our minds bothering us just like it bothered Dorcas's friends and family. It goes something like this. Lord, I get it. 
when a hardened criminal dies a violent death. It makes sense, God, when an elderly person who has lived a long life finally passes away. But why do you have to take the bright shining gems away from us? Why do you have to rob us, Lord, of those people who always, always know how to lift our spirits? We might automatically assume that Tabitha was an elderly woman. But Luke never says that explicitly in this text. In fact, he makes it sound even more like this was an untimely or surprising thing. A whole delegation of men went to go fetch Peter from Lydda and bring him to Joppa. These men said, come to us without delay. And it does not come across like your average funeral as you have these sobbing women showing Peter all of the handiwork that Tabitha had made. Peter got up and went with them. When he arrived, they led him to the room upstairs. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing him the robes and clothing that Dorcas made while she was still with them. Think of Peter trying to handle that situation. It must have felt overwhelming or maybe confusing to suddenly be surrounded by women full of emotion and bawling their eyes out. How did he know what to say? What should he say? Well, ladies, you know that these deeds of kindness she did for you, those are not the reason that God has forgiven her sins. As true as that might be, Peter did not say it. Did he say something like, thanks for showing me Tabitha's sewing, ladies. Now I'll raise her from the dead since I know how important she is to you. No, he made no promises like that. Or does he say, God will work this out for good in your life, so let's just come to grips with this death and face reality. Even if there's truth in that, Peter did not consider it appropriate either. Peter always had his teacher visible next to him, guiding him. He had a lot of weird experiences and outlandish times as Jesus walked the earth with him. He thought he saw a ghost on the water, turned out to be his Lord, and he got to walk a little with the Lord on the water. At times, Jesus praised him for his statements of faith. At other times, Jesus called him Satan. Peter felt that adrenaline as he started swinging a sword at a band of police force soldiers and then felt adrenaline again that led him to deny ever knowing Jesus. But had Christ ever taught him what to say in a situation where he has crying people all around him wondering what will happen next? Actually, Jesus did teach Peter that. It happened with a little girl whose father was named Jairus. He learned from Jesus, Peter did there in Jairus' house, that when you have an emotional crowd making lots of noise and distracting you all around, you dismiss them. So without saying anything, Peter dismissed these grieving women. And then he learned from Jesus that you can at least go by the bedside and practice some personal grief. So Peter did that. 
And in Mark's Gospel, he even records for us the Aramaic syllables that Jesus spoke when he told Jairus' daughter to get up. He said, Talitha kum, little girl, get up. Peter followed his master and said, Tabitha kum, Tabitha, get up. What about us? What can we learn from this raising of Tabitha back to life again? Well, for one thing, we learn that we shouldn't get any funny ideas that God might give us power to raise dead bodies back to life. He could, but he hasn't promised that. And even the people in Joppa at that time saw that Tabitha's resurrection was a small part of a much bigger picture. Luke wrote, This became known all over Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Peter did not get flooded with requests for more miracles or more untimely deaths that he had to revive. No, instead, people realized Tabitha's resurrection should point us to the redeeming blood of Christ. Tabitha serves as an object lesson for what Jesus did in his tomb when he came back to life on Easter morning. Second, Dorcas teaches us other things. She teaches us by her resurrection from the dead, or rather God teaches us by her resurrection from the dead, that you may also learn from your master when it comes to emotionally charged situations. In fact, you have an advantage over Peter. He only saw those experiences of Jesus' earthly life one time. You get to live and relive and relive them as many times as you hear the stories about Jairus' daughter and Jesus' other miracles and his life in Sunday school, in church, in Bible class, in your daily devotion. And the more you have those lessons imprinted on you, the more you will know what to say and what not to say at the time of a death or a funeral. And finally, this historic recording of Tabitha's resurrection from the dead shows us that God has made himself the antidote to death. He didn't just bring Jesus back from the dead. He also brought back Jairus' daughter, the youth at Nain, his friend Lazarus, and Ascending into heaven didn't stop him from giving more and more cases of times when Jesus brought a dead body back to life. Yes, he did it through his apostle Peter here. But think for a moment about how Luke the doctor put his physician's career on the line by recording this. Anyone at his time could have tried to dig up evidence to discredit what Luke wrote about Dorcas's resurrection. They could have blasphemed or slandered Luke as a doctor, taken away his medical license. So why would he still take the risk of writing this down and publishing it? Because it actually happened. And he was willing to stake his career on that line. That shows you that along with Tabitha and Christ and all those that Jesus raised from the dead, Granny Hartwig will come back to life one day. Your Tabitha type will come back to life. You and I, we will all rise again on the last day since Christ is the resurrection and the life. Amen.